The video is all over the place. That's why we use it. But 4K video, and we get the wave audio files from everybody out there. So if nice. you are podcasting, you should give them a shot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good to know. I have used it several times, and people like it. They do seem yeah, to like it. It's really good. Yeah. We love the program here, too. So uh, welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment free zone using candor and humor. My name is Jay. And today I am joined by spiritual teacher, excuse me here, my mouse just died on me, um, author, and hints. And the book is called Pathway to Insight, Recapture Your Childhood Buds. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Jay. Nice to be here. Sorry about that (laughs) intro there. I was all over the place. I didn't switch my mouse over. So I was on two different computers and I'm sitting up there like, you know, picking your nose with my pointer on one screen and instead of looking at your <laughs> we're a, we're a tight operation here so how are you doing today i'm doing great thanks yeah it's pretty early here but i'm doing good <laughs> pretty early here where are you i'm in california whereabouts in california i'm in northern california directly east of san francisco up in the foothills oh beautiful area beautiful beautiful area i love california Especially Northern California, the uh, the coastlines up there, or over in Monterey, that kind of area. Yeah, yeah, my son's down there. Yeah, very nice place to visit. <laughs> Absolutely, your accent does not sound like California, though. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's actually a mid Atlantic accent now. I'm actually from England, but I moved out here when I was 21, so I've been here a long time because I'm 56 now. So you have that hybrid accent now that has kind of just become your own. I do, because when I go back to England, they think I'm American. I believe it. I yes. 100% believe it. It's funny. I left uh, where I came from when I was probably like 17 or 18 years old, and all of my family is from the South. They have like a country accent. They have a draw. They have all these things, and I have zero of that. I don't fit in. It's like, I look like the guy that was brought in as somebody's guest into a family gathering, because <laughs> it doesn't sound like anybody else there. <laughs> yeah. So I feel you. And so you have such a um, a unique story on how you've been on your journey, your mental health and physical well-being. Do you want to tell us where that journey started, what juncture you started finding that pathway to insight? Sure. And I wouldn't say it's necessarily unique, at least it wasn't unique at the beginning. I would say it's become more unique the further I've gone because I've gone further than I knew anyone could go. I didn't know you could go that far. So... It didn't really start until my mid-30s, actually my late 30s, when I had what I call a business altercation with a couple of other mothers at my boys' school, and they told me I'd done something wrong. And these mothers, these two mothers were very self-confident, self-assured, authority-type women, and I was not. I was a scared mother on the inside and had a lot of trauma in her life and like, liked to stay small. And they told me I'd done something wrong, and my mind just spun out of control. 
like over and over it said, you know, what I'd done, what I'd said, what I what they said, what I could have done differently, just over and over, spinning for days. I actually couldn't sleep. And it was about three days later that I realized, okay, this is not normal. <laughs> I don't think most people would react this intensely. Mm, we think. <laughs> It's amazing (laughs) what we are ignorant to when it comes to the human experience and condition and how alike we are. (laughs) Right. But the other thing I realized at that point was it felt like how I would react as a child when my dad had told me I've done something wrong. Bingo. Yeah. So that was the little opening for me that, oh, maybe something from my childhood is still affecting me to this day, which is a funny thought, you know, because there was so much from my childhood, but I could only see that little opening at that point. But that was the start of my journey. I think that's not ununique to a lot of people finding out that the trials and tribulations that they're experiencing today are always associated with something that they've experienced in the past because everything is a fear response to what we're navigating in today. It's funny, this is coming up quite a bit on the last few episodes. I have my understanding or theory behind this is that you have a certain amount of time in your life where you live in a kind of an altered state as a child where you're imaginative, you're authentic, you're able to pursue things and create things a lot quicker. You can change who you are in the moment. Um, That's why we have, you know, cowboys, doctors, and everything else. When you're little kids, you can jump around. And I think that you can live in that world for a certain amount of time. And there's a point in time where you are brought out of it into the societal conditioning and the mental condition that we have that we're actually forcing upon our children when they come into, you know, that reality. And I think that it's that bridge between those two locations that has the most critical pain points for someone to navigate adult life. Once they hit that bridge, they will take all of the fears that created their understanding of reality as their mask going forward to protect themselves throughout all of their adult life until they figure out what's behind that mask. Yes, that's very similar to the way I think of it. I think of it what I do is I think of the whole of us as a signal. Mm. And that signal that we emit into the universe gets established in those first few years of life when we're living in our subconscious mind more. Right? Interesting. Everything in, we get programmed from everything that happens. So we'll see our parents argue and we'll take on both sides of that experience. Mm. And we get programmed everywhere by siblings, by parents, by school, by church, by society. And 100%. that gets stored inside of us. And the the biggest aspects of what gets stored inside of those traumas, the ones that get stored with a lot of energy, a lot of emotion. And then we go through life replaying the same feelings over and over again. So we emit the signal from what we experienced in the past and we attract that back into our future. We're not replaying the same events. We're playing the same feelings. I like that you phrased it that way, that we're replaying feelings, because I find that there's a huge misunderstanding for what the mental illness is that we have, and that is that anything that we create that is wrecking our body or our mind in the now that is not in the now is the mental condition. Anxiety and depression are the fears of things that don't exist in the now. 
so we sit there and we spin in that cyclone, but in reality, none of that exists. So the only thing that we're doing is we're grabbing onto the exact word you said, and that's feelings. Feelings are a choice and people don't understand that. They don't realize that there's a mechanism and a switch within us where we can identify what a feeling is and whether or not we want to become emotionally connected to it in the moment or we want to acknowledge its existence and let it move on. Okay, so that's where my story is a little bit different. <laughs> I know. That's what I looked, I read through your book and I love that there is an alternative perspective to how someone can navigate this situation and how all humans are different when it comes to the evolution of the mind and how we adapt to reality. I think every human is different in that regard. I believe we're different because we've, we've had different signals established in childhood. But I do believe those feelings are real. I believe 100%. they live inside of the body. And we can't just choose. If we try and choose to ignore them, and think or feel something different, they don't go anywhere. They stay inside of us and they will pop mm. up another time. My whole story has been around finding my truth and accepting it. So if I'm feeling really lousy, I will accept that feeling of feeling really lousy because it's actually stuck energy. It's energy that's stuck inside the body, wants to be felt and it wants to be released, but we're trained to suppress it in that's some cancer. form. That's yes. cancer. That's it's cancer in and of itself. So maybe I didn't explain correctly. I want to kind of clarify there. When I say not taking on the feelings of a particular item that you have chosen your mind to reminisce about having anxiety about, it's exactly what you're saying. It is acknowledging it, that it is okay to exist. I don't judge it is what I try to remain hands off from. There's no need for me to because it's going to exist regardless, whether it's good or bad. I just allow it to exist, experience it, take it for whatever I can use it for in the way of experience. I use Benjamin Franklin's bifocals. And I say that experiences are compounded over time and you get them issued to you, much like you said in childhood, those downloads. Those lenses are taken over time and they each have a different color. So if they each have a different color and they move up and down like those bifocals do that he had for each individual view, if every human has a set of those and every human gets a different lens for every experience, no two people will see the same thing no matter what. Absolutely. Yes. So the key thing for my story and what you said was the word experience. Because I can look at this feeling that I'm having all this memory that's coming up. I can look at it log logically, right, mm -hmm. with my mind and not judge it. What I did was actually feel it and experience it as the energy that it is, mm. as stuck energy, mm -hmm. and it would release. Now, I started using a tool that made it easier to begin with. I started using a technique called EFT for short Can you emotional explain what freedom. EFT is? Because I think that's very important for people to hear. Okay. It's been around for a long time. Are you familiar with it? Um, are you familiar? Slightly familiar with it. I've discussed it on numerous occasions in my own mental health journey. Um, I've looked at many different modicums of treatment when it comes to uh, anything and everything. Trust me. I'm, like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm action packed with issues. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's called EFT, which is short for emotional freedom technique. 
It's also called tapping because we tap on specific places on our body, which are the ends of meridian systems, mm-hmm. as we're talking something through. And it's the physical aspect of the tapping itself that releases the stuck energy from the nervous system of the body. Fascinating. So you don't actually have to feel the emotions so much. You can just start with a story, right? So I worked first on the story of finding my mother dead on the bathroom floor when I was 19. So late in my... So sorry to hear that. It's it's just a story at this point, but thank you. Um, When I was in my late 30s, the tears from that event were still just under the surface because I had suppressed it all. And so I would tap using this technique and allow the tears to flow as I told the story to myself or out loud. Mm -hmm. And then I would tell the story from the beginning to the end. And then I would come back to the beginning, tell the story again. And what EFT is doing is it's releasing that tension Mm. and it's releasing like the first layer of the onion because Mm -hmm. it's definitely an onion. And then as that happens, the subconscious mind starts to open up and maybe a little bit bit more detail from the story will come to to the mind. And then I'll tap through that and then Mm -hmm. go back to the beginning of the story again, tap through it again. So I do it again and again until I could tell the story without any emotions there anymore. And at that point, I know it's not affecting me anymore. It's just a story. That's beautiful. Because I think that, like I said earlier, I believe that there are parallels between these pieces of evolution that we go through during this human experience. And for me, one of the things that I've focused on over time is there's yogic processes. And I know that they're not the same, but having lived in other countries, lived in Japan, I've looked at, you know, acupuncture, things like that. And all of the things that we're describing are interrelated with different descriptions via different religions, backgrounds, and interpretations of what the human experience is and where we store our energies, how they flow throughout our bodies and how they're released. Because we don't just evolve as human beings biologically. We evolve spiritually as well. We evolve as a species in different directions. And in this particular way, we're growing to a bigger understanding of each other. And that energy will move around throughout our bodies. Things get stored. For me, my method for releasing, right? Because what you're explaining is your method of releasing. Mine is using focused intent during meditation throughout various parts of my body. And much like yourself, I have found that I describe those as knots in a rope. If the person was a rope, the knots are experiences. And the meditation for me, just like you said, allows me to focus on the one thing in particular at that particular knot, feel it, release it, untie it, and move forward. So each one of those knots are those experiences in my childhood, those traumas, those events. And much like a larger knot that's been tied up over time, as you begin to pull those knots away, the rope gets freer, faster, and becomes a whole length of rope again. Absolutely. One question. Are you, when you're talking about knot, are you, are you think feeling a knot physically in the body or are you talking about something in your mind? It's funny you say that. Originally, I had not had the connection between the mind and body. Over time, as I meditated, it became very clear <laughs> that my mental health and individual, even specific traumas, were tied to specific 
mental health issues. <laughs> like the parallels were unbelievable. So at first, I thought I was untying experiences of the mind, but I didn't realize how intertwined we are with that within our body itself. That's why I called it cancer earlier. Yeah, I call it disease. Yeah, it's because it dis-ease is disease in the body. Yeah. So your story, the way you're doing it, is further down my path, right? I started out using EFT. That's just the first step of of what I call three steps on the journey, which come to more what you're talking about. So as I tapped more, I used EFT during the day, right? I'd catch myself when I was emotional, which in itself, right? That's is, mindfulness. Is a, yeah. Boom. Right. And it takes some work and some awareness. 100%. So, so I would catch myself and I would tap using this technique and bring myself back to peace and I'd carry on with my day. And I noticed things changing, but I wanted them to go faster. I was determined to change. And so I wrote down all my traumas, all my emotional memories from childhood, and I tapped through one each night for about an hour to an hour and a half each night. That so sounds kind of my form awful, of by the way. <laughs> to those that have never meditated or are on the fence about changing the uh, podcast right now, because a lot of people get really scared when these things are discussed. And my theory is it's because they know a lot of it's true in the moment that they admit it, then they have to face it. Indeed. Yes. And and I worked out that EFT worked for me by trying it out on something. That's what I did. I don't yeah, have somebody I, I, that taught me anything in meditation. Right. Yes. So I recommend that for other people too. You know, try if you learn EFT, try it out on something. I tried it out on giving my cat an injection. I was so afraid of giving him this injection. My hand was shaking so much, and I had to do it every day. <laughs> <Poor cat. laughs> I know. <laughs> I can't think of something more terrifying as another creature that I honestly can't communicate with coming at me with a plunger and a needle, shaking, <laughs> trying to jab me with it. I'm just trying to be the cat for a moment. It sounds like something like a Saw movie. <laughs> so I tapped about every oh, aspect of it, which is what you do, right? I tapped about my hand shaking. I tapped about my fear of hurting him. And I tapped about all the memories from all the injections I had had. And the next day when I gave him that injection, the needle just slid right in. All that fear had gone. So that's when I realized, first of all, how powerful it was. And secondly, that I wanted to be on the other side of all the other fears that I had in the same way. If it can work, that quickly for something, I'm, I'm going for it. So that's when I started really, really applying Most fears it. are an illusion. They're based on the past, right? I, in my experience, yep. it was based on the needles, the memories from the past, and they were stored inside yep. of me. Yeah. There's a Chinese so, philosophy that says, and I can't remember who it is, it's real simple, worry is preposterous because it serves no purpose in the now but to give you a stomachache or high blood right. pressure. I don't necessarily call them names like that, though, because I'd love to. Th- that, that, that makes people think that they shouldn't be feeling them. This and then they true. want to suppress them. Res- and there's the word, suppress. Because what we're describing are not feelings. They're suppressed feelings. Because if they yes. are felt, they don't become answer or panic attacks, or headaches, or rashes, or other weird things that can come out as anything. Yeah. So as I kept doing more and more of this tapping, 
I noticed that I was changing. I was becoming less reactionary. My mind was becoming quieter. And what I realized EFT is doing is opening up the subconscious mind. And mm. as that happens, right, at the same time, our awareness expands. So I became aware at a deeper level. I became aware of my emotions. But then underneath the emotions are a set of physical sensations, right? If we're feeling fear, we're feeling it somewhere in terms of sensation. And so I became aware at that deeper level. Now, at the time, I was in a course and we, a class and we were studying A Course in Miracles. And the kind of leader of the class used to say every week, it's not about meditation. You don't have to meditate, which is, I didn't want to meditate, so that was good. He said, it's all about feeling your feelings. But I didn't know at that point what my feelings were. I'd suppressed them for so long. But as the weeks went by, and he said this every week, and I continued my tapping journey outside of this group, I realized, okay, I know what my feelings are now. So what does he mean by feel your feelings? So one day I was doing the dishes at the kitchen sink and thought, okay, I'm going to try and do what he says. What, what does that even mean? <laughs> so I would catch myself with a thought that had emotion behind it. So it might be something as simple as I'm afraid of making this phone call. And then I would notice where that fear was inside of me because I had that awareness. Now, I couldn't have done that early on in the journey. I had to get to this point. Mm -hmm. And then I would feel that fear. And for me, fear is mostly in my solar plexus. So I mm. would focus on it. I can relate to that. But I, would, but I would notice that if I moved or if I took a deep breath, I would lose my focus on the fear. So I actually had to hold myself like a statue and not breathe. I had to feel that fear. And wherever in the breath I was at that point, I would hold myself like a statue and I would talk to this fear in my stomach or my solar plexus. And I would say things like, okay, I can feel you right there. I just want to feel you. I want to allow you to be felt. What, what do you feel like? Just to talk myself into releasing that fear. And it would get to the point, obviously, that I'd have to take a deep breath. <laughs> and then I'd think the thought again. And I would notice the fear would have diminished a little bit. So I'd do it again and then again and again. So kind of like I was doing with EFT, right? Talking through my mother's death. You do the same thing over and over again until the place where there was no fear left. And then I could make the phone call because the fear, the attachment to the emotion had disappeared. So that's what I talk, call feeling your feelings. That was kind of the second step. And then I started doing that instead of using tapping. I think that's an amazing process that you're going through to help release all of those stored up issues and mental health problems or maladies or whatever they might be, however they present themselves. I do find it a little funny that you were told that you're not meditating <laughs> because everything you just described because there are so many different forms, studied forms, and what you're describing is meditation. It's mindfulness, it's centering yourself, it's locating things, and it's working through them one at a time through that ability to focus on one specific item, i.e. the breath. That's why breath work is so important. Meditation is not about focusing on a damn thing until it shows up and then identifying it and letting it go afterwards. God, I love hearing these descriptions from everybody, the way that they've identified these and what their individual methods are for releasing them, because it's just like languages. Just like languages around the world, people speak 
and evolve like a spiritual language or some kind of energetic language. Like you said earlier, we evolve based on those original inputs and we evolve in different ways because we have what past lives, past lives are also our DNA, who we got before us, what they went through, what their method of communication was, how they adapted to their surroundings and were able to evolve energetically because you don't get consciousness out of nowhere. It, it came from something it was something at some point that we didn't have before we got it. And somebody was scared as shit because if you'd have given me consciousness one minute and all now before, oh shit, right? Now I'm scared of dying. I'm scared of living. I'm scared of everything in between. So what am I going to start doing? I'm going to start spinning in a circle and coming up with shit. I'm going to start coming up with reasons to live, why I'm here, what can justify it. And I'm going to start spreading that madness as much as I can so that everybody's trying to get some kind of fulfillment, whether it's through material things, whether it's through accolades, whether it's their ego, whatever it might be. But nobody realizes that we're the only damn animal on the planet walking around, talking to each other with our eyes up in the sky, thinking about shit. We're not the <laughs> same energy as animals. They don't even want anything to do with us. Uh, Dr. Vic Monzo was on uh, a couple weeks ago and we talked about the FM radio dial, much like your energetic description. People have certain energy levels that they work on and move throughout the world. Those are on certain numbers, right? If we gave them numbers, they would be a certain frequency. And as you evolve, because I'm sure you've noticed during this time, your evolution personally, that you've probably shed some relationships and gained some new relationships. And my understanding from that is, and Dr. Monzo talked about it as well, is that because we're adjusting ourselves through that self-improvement, that dedication to meditation or mindfulness or tapping or EFT or whatever it is, we're changing our number on the dial. And now our new people are people at that frequency. And we're going to talk with them. We're going to resonate with them. We're not going to have a problem with the other frequencies. We're not going to leave them and be like, I hate you, you know, or whatever. It's not how it works. We just don't hear them anymore. We don't communicate the same. They might as well be speaking a different language while speaking the same language. Yeah. And I talk about that along the, the lines of the, the signal again, right? Mm -hmm. the, we're emitting the signal. And when we release our past, we're releasing that tension stored inside of us, which changes our signal. So yes, mm -hmm. then we're attracting different things into our future. So let's come back to consciousness after we've talked through the third step in my journey, because I, I, have, I have an understanding that I didn't know was available before. Oh, please keep going. <laughs> okay. So I started feeling my feelings during the day. And in the evening, instead of doing the tapping, because I'd done my childhood at this point, I started laying on the sofa and I would bring collective traumas to mind because we all have our own mm. individual experience of collective traumas, right? We all went through 9-11. And so I would bring those memories to mind to just feel all those emotions, those sensations and allow that stuck energy to leave my body. And at some point during this process, I noticed one time that I could keep my awareness inside my body after the tension had released. It was totally different. It, it felt so different. It's really hard to explain. The way I try and explain it is imagine you have a toothache or a stomachache, right? You can sense with your senses 
where that Mm -hmm. pain is coming from. But once the pain has released, you can't get your awareness back on that place because there's nothing calling your attention to it. Mm -hmm. I found that I could. I could put my awareness inside. So then I started to play with it. Well, I've done it once. Can I do it again? And I found that I could. And then I started to play. So I'd move my awareness around and notice I could find a place with tension compared to a place with no tension. So I would focus. My ability to focus, like you talked about, had honed at this point. So I could focus on that tension and it would release. And then I would do it again and again and again. So I'm doing the same thing, right? The focusing and allowing now at a deeper level. I'm doing it now inside the body before I was doing all the sensations and before I was using the words with the tapping. And then I would just start moving around my body kind of like you were doing, right? With your meditation and moving around the body, finding tension, focusing on it, allowing it to be allowing it to release, and then moving somewhere else. And it took many, many months, but eventually I got my awareness inside my head. And that was was huge for me because the pain in my left cheek and the forces in the bones of my head was massive. And I had had no awareness of this tension for the first 50 years of my life. So it blew me away how much we store inside of us, right? How much our signal is affected. Did you, think, did you thank us? your parents and your ancestors for that? Because <laughs> you know that's where it came from, right? You don't pop up with that with that kind of stored issue that is not, you know, some kind of lineage, not passed well, on. I was born. I was born with my right foot up against my right shin. Right? Thank so my you. My whole body was twisted. Yeah. Yeah. It all manifests itself throughout our lifelines. Yes. So it's, it's stuck inside of us. And, you know, at this point, I had this technique, right? So I could start working a little bit at a time. Now, I'll go into this a little more detail than I normally do because I think you'll like mm-hmm. it. <laughs> so I would focus on it, release it, focus, release again and again and again. And it got to the place. Now, I'm in my head now, right? So I actually heard and felt something release. And it sounded like old fabric ripping. And that's when I started doing some research. Okay, what is this? Am I actually hurting myself? (laughs) Yes. And I realized, okay, it's an adhesion in the connective tissue that just released. And so I realized I'm not hurting myself. So I kept doing it. And as you said, it gets faster and faster. We get looser and looser and things started to release. It got to the place I actually felt my skull bones relax which felt really, really good. So I knew things were changing on the inside, but it wasn't until I had x-rays taken last year and could see the comparison from 2013 and see that the bones themselves had shifted. My eye sockets had aligned. My jaw was way off to the side. It's much more stented now. And my neck is straighter than it has ever been in my life. I have more to do, for sure. But I've grown three quarters of an inch in the last Couple of years, Simply out of years. alignment alone and the release of so much tension throughout the body right. pulling on that. It's kind of like uh, if you had a telephone pole with wires on it, but it had like hinges throughout it and you were holding it up. And each one of those joints, as you pull pressure from either side, they align. So those ropes get equal tension. One side is slack. The other side is too tight. But as you go through them and you pull them, you, you get like a, I don't know, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? So kind of like a triangular A-frame of some sort. It stands right. itself up and your body is, much like chiropractic, the bones and the structure of the body are the foundation for the rest of the 
human mind and spiritual and energetic and all of those things to start moving, you have to have that bone structure. That's why yoga is important. That's why it has a foundation in it because it finds those particular points that we're discussing and it releases them via what you're pointing out, right? Right. What what you're describing is basically a form of kundalini yoga. People will come to various junctures in their life, crossroads like you described, the fight with or the altercation with the people that you were in your son's school. Um, That's not unlike a lot of people. Mine was also a work-related incident that allowed me to focus on a different, you know, path in life. I think a lot of people find those junctures and they have a choice. When you're given that moment of discernment and you said looking into yourself, you know, into that small location, you were able to get that window. Um, Once you peek into it, there's a choice. Do I take on the trauma, the pain and all those things so that I can live an authentic life or do I close that door and ride out the existence that I have on this rock to come back another time and try it again. Because I don't know, the more I look at it, I think that the world's an insane asylum (laughs) and that we're all playing a game to get out. Yeah, I call it a game too. (laughs) I I do call it a game too. Now, I love the way you explained the, um, the, the structure with the, the strings. It was absolutely that way. So I would release tension in my, left cheek, which would release something in my neck. My neck would crack. Some, I would feel tension somewhere else. I'd hold my awareness on that. That would release. So it's that one step at a time that it would release. And totally like a chiropractor, my neck will crack many, many times a day now. Um, but I want to go back to one thing you said and related to my story. So while I was doing this, lying on the sofa, bringing up these collective traumas, letting just the energy release, during that period, over a period of months, I did experience kundalini energy. Mm. And I could move it up and down my spine. It was actually really fun. And it was at the end of that that I was able to put my awareness inside my body, which I believe is the original meaning of the word insight. That's why mm. my book is called The Pathway to Insight. Um, I would agree with that. People do talk about it as happening after kundalini. Got a million or- different descriptions. I got the spirit. <laughs> I'm speaking tongues. I'm right. over here being controlled and I'm I'm going through these chants. All these, people don't realize that it's evolution. I don't know. I, I say people don't realize. People don't realize. I, I don't know for shit. All I have <laughs> is my interpretation of what the F is going on around me. And the best that I can surmise is that we're collectively moving one direction. We're creating it ourselves through our entertainment and artistic pursuits that we're writing a future that is destined to fall in line with all of these religious texts in some way, shape, or form. It can't not because we write our future in every form and it's written as heaven, as the age of Aquarius, as, you know, all these different nirvana, whatever it is. You know, all of these different toppings on the pizza, still a pizza, that we're going towards that state of being. And that state of being, to me, is not going somewhere. Where the hell are we going to go? It's our entire lives. It's always been now. It's never been the past. Never been the future. It's always been now. But we really don't want to be here so bad. And the more that we hate something and try to get away from it, the more apt we are 
to have some kind of problem associated with it. And the problem associated with it is we're already in fucking heaven. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. just People a state of wait. being. All it is is a mindset. <laughs> when the mind collectively changes across the globe, when we make that understanding and we step up one level, we'll realize that this is the most beautiful fucking place you could ever be and that all of our maladies are fucking choices and experiences that have been thrust upon us since the dawn of damn time. Sorry, I ranted. <laughs> people do keep trying to get out of here, right? They, they, they. A lot Where of people are, are trying mushrooms or ayahuasca or something. But from my Nothing experience, that. that in my experience, in my understanding from my experience, I believe that is making the soul uncomfortable enough that it's actually leaving the body. Whereas my path has actually been making the soul more comfortable in the body, hmm. right? Being more present right here, right now, so that. My soul, I believe the soul is tied in through these adhesions in the connective tissue. And mm -hmm. we're releasing them, right? We're actually making the soul more comfortable. And once it's more comfortable, I believe it will stay longer in this body. So the, the other part, sense. coming back to the consciousness that we talked about earlier, the other thing that became obvious to me once I was able to put my awareness in the body is that mm -hmm. I am not my body because I can see from one place to another inside my body. So I cannot be my body. I have to be inhabiting my body. Mm. That's um, a very deep I am type of meditation where you do separate yourself from any kind of perception that you have. Um, that is a form of meditation where you label things, um, i.e. I hear a sound. I have a feeling. I have a smell. I have a this, that, or the other. You individually break down your reality and its structure. Okay. I can still... <laughs> that that I might can be still... one interpretation. I would not say that. I mean, that because the, the difference, and it's a little bit difficult to understand this if you haven't been there, but I'm not actually in my mind when I'm doing this work. I'm solely in my senses. Right? So I'm not thinking anything like you just said. I'm hmm, interesting. inside my head looking sensing somewhere else in my body. So I'm not thinking. I'm out of my thinking mind. I'm in my sensing mind. If there is such a thing, that's just the way I say it. Interesting. And I do agree that there are many different ways or perceptions that we can have of this particular scenario that we're discussing. Um, and yours is definitely different. I think that we are all... So let me do this to kind of get a, um, a better explanation of what it is that I'm trying to convey here. Ayahuasca, mushrooms, DMT, 5-MeO-DMT, all these things, right? Um, you said you think it's the soul leaving the body versus, you know, the soul becoming more comfortable within. And um, I, can, I can see where, where that interpretation makes sense. And I agree with you. I also think that we evolve non-independently from our surroundings. I think that we evolve with our surroundings as well. And I think the earth doesn't make mistakes. The earth acts authentically and it creates things and modicums for us to evolve as well. And I believe that those plant medicines that we're talking about are what the earth talking to us. I think they're the earth trying to facilitate a faster understanding of consciousness and help us grow as a B 
being or a species to that next level. I say this because a lot of those plant medicines and how they've been described to me have a lot of mirrored understandings to what monks and tribes and those peoples that stay farther away from society and have done that internal perspective for so long that they have an understanding of what we're discussing as those severe disconnects that they see between reality and themselves and what the interpretation of it is. I believe that mushrooms, ayahuasca, and all those types of things are joining in to the natural evolution, allowing us all to kind of, it gives, it's like meditation on speed. It's not going to give you the understandings. (laughs) It can. It can. It can. I think it can. But you have to have something along with it. And that's experience and wisdom. You can't go popping the lid off of a fucking can that has a slinky snake in it and expect, you know, yourself to be able to operate properly. That's a child. A child in their experience and growth pattern does not need shrooms shoved down their neck because they're not going to understand what it is that they're experiencing, what an ego actually is. If you don't understand what an ego is, how the hell do you know you lost it? All you know is that you don't give a fuck about what we're doing anymore. You think it's a bunch of bullshit, so now you just lay around. That's the understanding you would get at 18 sucking down shrooms. Like, okay, so this is all bullshit. Well, I quit. (laughs) (laughs) I would have too. It is somewhat like a near-death experience, I believe, right? And it's the soul releasing some of those adhesions in the body, right? But quickly, right? That's why it's it's a little traumatizing for some people, right? So this is kind of doing the same thing. My path is kind of doing the same thing, but on a very different level, right? And it's not in the mind. A lot of those... um, experiences are fully in the mind or outside of the mind, right? In the, mm. in the universe. This work, my whole path has been bringing me into the body, more grounding, totally grounding in this earth, this time to enjoy, to be at peace now. And I'm not sure that those experiences with mushrooms are a long-term fix solution, <clears throat> whereas no, I can't. believe this is. You know, I can't say that definitively. Because I know now that there are people a shit ton smarter than me that have done a lot of research from the VA to leading trauma institutes that have, you know, focused on TBIs, PTSD, um, all these different things. And now they're starting all these programs where they're administering, you know, um, what is psilocybin and ayahuasca and, um, the what, I mean, basically MDMA, things like that, and using them as ways to release those traumas. And I can't say that they are long-term, but I think it's much like therapy in that in order to address the deeper issues, you have to open the door. You have to find a way in in order to get there. Kind of like medications. People don't like to think about taking these psychological medications because why? They think it's a life sentence. No. Psychological drugs are a pause. They're an opportunity for you not to freak out under a medicated state to address the issues that are causing you to have to take the medicine. 
once you figure that out and you get rid of the traumas, you can chuck the pills too. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, if you want to get really deep, I would really like to know with the mushrooms and such, right? If, if it's really releasing those adhesions, is it doing that? Is the energy still stored in the body? Or has it actually released that energy? That's I no what idea. I would like to know. I yeah. would love to know that. And I think that as this show evolves, um, we have so many different people on deck that um, will be coming on to talk about things like this. So we, uh, we talk about all sorts of traumas. We've gone from endometriosis to gang violence to skydiving to ultimate fighting to, you know, you name it, we talk about it. And um, I think that this is very important as well. It's a focus, you know, mental health is a focus of, you know, our society now, whereas it hasn't been in the past. And I think that we're starting to see that those Eastern philosophies are not as taboo as they seemed, that they're actually just doorways like we were discussing, much like our own, to find the freedom from those past traumas. Um, yeah, and they're all interpreted different and translated different. So, so some different. of it will we will relate to and some of it not necessarily. So if you were to pinpoint a specific trauma, let's say there's a trauma that you don't mind discussing because I find this fascinating. Is there a trauma and a body location for one particular incident that you had to work on? That's a I really interesting up. question. Right? Because they're there. You'll find them. They're bizarre. You'll have to poke and prod at it. You'll realize that it is it. It takes a while. You have almost a relationship with it. You date it for a while. You figure out who it is. You figure out why it's there. You have to have, it's this whole thing affair for what is a knot between your ribs. It was caused by leaving coffee cups on the counter and getting smacked in the back of the head for it over and over again as a kid. That was actually an OCD issue that your parents had because they didn't like people to judge them in certain ways because of the damage, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> I actually have not found that. Because really? What, because it's in the connected tissue and it's uh, all connected. Right? Oh, so my spider my, my biggest trauma is this foot thing, right? The the scoliosis, the being twisted at birth. And I keep trying to find, well, where was where did it originate? And I mm -hmm. think it's it's this pain in my left cheek, right? Which I'm I'm pulling apart, right? My my all my bones are releasing around there, but that's also connected to this tight tension. Have they neck. tried to diagnose you with TMJ and stuff like that? Yeah, I've had multiple. I've had dorsodontics three times in my life. But <laughs> but I'm still releasing. And sometimes, right, it will release all the way down into that foot. But it's the connective tissue. It's stored throughout. And I don't know where the original trauma was. I don't think you have to. Yeah. Hell, it could have been literally in utero. If you were balled yeah, up there in that was. way, you should go back and listen to Dr. Vic Monzo's episode because he actually does discuss in utero issues because he was a pediatric chiropractor, which is super weird when you hear it. It's like, what? But the manipulations are so minute and you wouldn't even recognize what was taking place. But he describes what you're saying, you know, what you went through could be interpreted as one of those initial traumas, C-sections. You know, well, I was adopted, right? Birth. I was <laughs> All my those mother, 
My mother took seasickness pills and oh, there didn't you go. know she was pregnant. You, you had scurvy before you were even born. <laughs> she hitchhiked <laughs> across Canada in midwinter yeah, in my first Canada. trimester. Well, at least she had medical. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) well, she lived on bread and milk for a week um, during that time. So those sorts of things. Yeah, so you're a miracle. (laughs) That's what you are. We're all miracles. I think what we're describing also is the unraveling process to being our authentic selves, who we were intended to be, finding our natural talent finding our natural urges for how they interconnect with humanity. Because we're all made one way, say it all the time, to be anything different is a slap in the face of whatever, whomever made you or whatever this existence is. And when that interpretation is made, you go through a process, much like you're going through, whoever's traumas are healed in whatever way, allow them to come back to, and you mentioned this in your book, Recapture Your Childhood Buzz. I think that that is our destiny as humans, is to learn from this experience and to go back to who we were intended to be. Whether you do it on the rock this time or you do it on the rock another time, that's up to you. But I believe that you date yourself. And not in age, but in the literal sense that you begin a romantic relationship with the authentic person that you are and for what you deserve. And once you love yourself and you begin to love yourself, the issues that you think other people had suddenly become interpretations in your own eye and nothing of concern to you anymore except for the want for them to have the release that you found. So I have a little interpretation of that. <laughs> Love it. I say that if we feel a certain way about someone else, those feelings are inside of us and yes. we can work on them. And that's how we let go of our judgments because they are there, right? So if we accept them and allow that energy to pass through, then understanding and compassion naturally arises, which kind of blew mm. me away the first time that happened, but, yes. it, but it does happen. So we can always take responsibility for what's happening around us by looking at how we're feeling about it. And we can control that. We can feel it. We can always allow internal. it. We can let it go. If yeah. you have a problem with anything in front of your face and the way that somebody is conducting themselves, that nine times out of 10, you might want to take the mirror, look at it, And it may not be that you're doing specifically what they're doing in your mind, but you can damn sure bet that there's somewhere in you that relates to it or is doing something in your head that you're ashamed of and you're going to judge them out in front of everybody because that's all you can do. Yeah, now now in my experience, it doesn't mean that we've done what they've done, right? It's not a full mirror, but we will have experienced it in childhood. We will have experienced one end of it, right? If we've seen a victim and a perpetrator in our childhood experience, we took on both aspects of that. So we might see a perpetrator later on and judge them. Doesn't mean we've been the perpetrator in our past, but we saw it happen. We experienced it. We stored that memory inside of us. I love that you said that. We had Dr. Margaret Muller on a month or so ago. And she uh, works with NLP. And one of the things that she was discussing 
was that not only will we have a repressed memory that causes our irresponses in the present day, whether there be a mental illness or whatever it is, we can actually have a wrong memory. Because of our impaired abilities to perceive what's going on around us and our own judgments and things that we have input before that, we can literally remember something that didn't happen even remotely close to how it did and have our entire future shaped out of it only to go in and do exactly what you're saying or NLP or meditation or get that view in there. And you're like, oh, shit, I was actually the guy on the corner. I wasn't in the accident. Because that's how kids interpret things over time. They become, because reality is so fragile. Can't tell me it's not make-believe if you can be two different careers at any given time. Or you can be two different humans at any given time. It makes it real fucking pliable. <laughs> really pliable. <laughs> also does. gives it no structure, no strength. Except for kind of that myofascial, you know, issue that you're talking about, it's almost like collectively we are that tissue connected between each and every human. Um, just like we do around the body, I think we do around humanity. I think we're all connected and I think that we pull on each other in various, I think humanity has scoliosis. we're being pulled in so many different we have a species scoliosis where it's being pulled in so many different directions by individual issues then location issues then cultural issues then madness then trauma then you know history books being written with nefarious intent to how things are remembered for future generations. Oh, it's a crapshoot. Believe what you want out there. <laughs> it's, yeah. So what's interesting to me is how deep are those things stored inside of us, right? Because now I'm working inside my bones. So where, where did that tension start, right? Is that, is that societal tension? Is that is that, where's I'm that gonna, from, right? I'm going to put Adam and Eve on my wall and throw darts at them. <laughs> <laughs> you sons of bitches. One of you two gave me my toothache or something. It started way back there. I know this is you. <laughs> I, I want to I meditate one day and be like, God damn it, Moses. Why? Why did you do that? <laughs> you caused this problem now. That's, I would love to have that kind of unraveling. It'd be kind of comical, actually. I don't want to know who I was, though. That's creepy. (laughs) Well, at the point I'm at where I'm releasing tension in the bones, earlier on, when I released it more in in the the lucid connective tissue or whatever, memories would pop into my mind that were attached to that place. Now I'm working in the bones. I don't get that so much, right? So I think it's those early years, the subconscious, where I wasn't really aware what was happening. But mm. that tension stored deep inside the bones. So you're, now that you're deeper, which makes sense, the structural portion of the body is the bones. It's where we hold ourselves from. It's what keeps us from becoming a gelatinous blob, right? So it would only make sense for our most dense memories and time to be stored there. 
hurts. And maybe you don't have memories because they're too long ago. We're amazing, but for fuck's sake. Like, (laughs) I I don't think, you know, (laughs) we're supposed to remember that shit. If we can't even take one lifetime's worth of BS, could you imagine if we were getting peeks into every other one all the time? We'd shit ourselves. We wouldn't even be able to survive. I can't even get past the lady in public's yelling at me, let alone <laughs> getting through Genghis Khan murdering my family. <laughs> right. So maybe I'm releasing all that in the bones. You know? yeah, exactly. I don't want my... I'm staying out of my bones. I don't want to get in the bones. Gonna, oh, you want to get in the bones. It feels really good. It does feel good. I think... People are, you're either in this conversation with us or you left a long time ago. This is a special conversation because I think it requires, um, if you're not already on this path, then it requires an open mind. Um, and if you are on this path, take it with a grain of salt. You can tell me everything I'm wrong with because I know I am in your eyes, no matter what, because we don't have the same experience and I reserve all right to change my mind at any given time. I am not standing on any permanent soapbox because nothing in this world is permanent. The only thing permanent is change. That's it. That is the only thing that will always happen. So if you have a counter thought, please share. You have something to expand upon it. Would love to hear it. Definitely need to go and read this book. I'm excited about it. Normally I get to read them a little bit more, but this was, uh, I didn't get my advanced chance, but I am going to get into it a little deeper. I did scan through some things and um, make sure everybody knows where they can get it. The Pathway to Insight, Recapture Your Childhood Buzz. Where can they find your book? You can find it on Amazon. Yeah. On Amazon? That's simple. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Or you can ask your local bookstore to order it. They'll do that too. (laughs) I like that. Support your local bookstore. Go out there and do that too. I genuinely appreciate you coming on. I think that people will benefit from hearing your perspective and the method with which you've connected with your inner self. I think it's been around for some time. I bet if we even did the research, we'd find that way back. It was probably one of the original forms of connecting to ourselves when we left our collective understanding of who the hell we are or whatever this is. Um, And I I appreciate you. I appreciate you for stepping out on a limb. In society today, we've been told that the things that we're discussing are taboo or that they're not something that should be mainstream. And I try to explain to people that it's all about interpretation, perspective, culture, and background. And they all have a different story, but the same message. So whether somebody's talking to you about chakras or joints or acupuncture or whatever location that these things are stored up in us, they're all the same thing. They're all the same thing. You don't have to disagree with the person that's explaining it to you just because you don't have the same word for it or the same exact interpretation. Just recognize that nobody wants to go out on a limb and fucking tell people about their journey If they're not on the journey, they're not full of shit most of the time. They're trying. Um, Unless they're trying to sell you the law of attraction or some shit like that. I can do without (laughs) that. Um, Is there anything that I did not ask you that you would love to uh, wrap up with? 
Um, well, I'll just say a couple of things. First of all, I have my inter- own interpretation of the law of attraction, right, based on the signal that we talked about. <laughs> but it's not the way most people talk about it. Um, I do want people to know how powerful we are, right? We are incredibly powerful. I so. don't know what I've done is possible, but if I can do it, anyone can do it. And we have more control over our life than we believe by taking responsibility for the way we feel and changing ourselves to feel peaceful on the inside so that we can all attract peace into our future. Mm, I agree. And my cup runneth over is how I've started to look at this. I don't have anything to give until my cup runs over. Then people can have that because what I'm giving them is worth nothing until I'm complete. I'm just giving them in 10% of me. So focus on yourself, you know, and pay attention to what your body is telling you, what your mind is telling you. It's not lying to you. You're just not listening to it correctly. Now, it doesn't mean go out and do what it's telling you to do. <laughs> oh, right. are we talking about like a serial killer or like? <laughs> right, well, there's lots of, lots of voices we can have right, in our whoa, head, right? <laughs> right? That's a different, up, I think that's on Netflix now. It seems to be the going <laughs> thing. Everybody wants to learn about true crime and, you know, the morbidity of the human condition and experience. I got to tell you, the further I've gone down the meditation path, the less that I like consuming anything like that. I feel like it's just not even worth my consumption. It doesn't do me any positivity whatsoever. Not that I'm ignoring the fact that we have this sect of society that are causing the most heinous things, but we got to figure out that we're mentally ill and address that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do actually watch them now. I didn't for a while, but I do because I want to feel what it does inside of me. I want to get to a deeper level of feeling. Okay. So that's, that's the homework for everybody. Feel. 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 Well, thank you so much, Anna. I genuinely appreciate you. And uh, remember, everybody, be cool and keep learning. What's up, academics? This episode is sponsored by PodPage. Build a beautiful podcast website in five minutes. Automatically create a beautiful listener-friendly podcast site from your RSS feed. So you can import your RSS feed into this site and it automatically generates everything for you. Puts in your artwork, puts in your show notes, puts in all those links, your guest info, everything right there. You get to customize the design to create a professional look that you'll be proud of in a few clicks. You don't have to have a coding background. You don't have to have technical knowledge. This is all plug and play. Choose the design you like, fit and tailored to your brand, the right colors, the right layout, so many different things to choose from. The templates are endless. So get out there, go to thetragedyacademy.com, click on the sponsors tab and help support the show by clicking the pod page link and purchasing your new site today. And remember academics, be cool and keep learning.